thank you for working my shift tomorrow. Really happy to be spending Thanksgiving with the fam. My friend and co-worker Emma told me over the phone. No worries at all. I mean, I don't celebrate it. It's not my holiday. Just let management know and then go and have fun with your family. Celebrating Thanksgiving as a British person felt almost blasphemous. Not as much as celebrating Independence Day, but similar. You're the best. I owe you. We'll have to go to Peace Food once I'm back. My treat. Peace Food. My favourite restaurant. I was vegan now. Oh, there's no need. Honest. Oh, shit. Oh, my finger's bleeding. Oh my god, you okay? Yeah, I think so. I just stabbed myself with an L. Listen, I think I need to go take care of this. Sorry. Talk soon. Love ya. I hung up the phone and raced to my bathroom. I was really bleeding. I ran the tap and held my index finger under the cold water watching the blood trickle down the drain. And though I pride myself on being an excellent multitasker, as all women are, it appeared I couldn't build a bed and talk on the phone simultaneously. Maybe I was part cis male. Eventually, I was able to bandage up the wound. I headed back into my bedroom which contained the first half of a built IKEA bed frame. I couldn't help but smile. Welcome to FUNYC, an IDC production, starring Emily Eden, written and created by Emily Eden. Sound design and engineering by Lewis Fisher. Executive producer, Marcy Gilbert. Co-created, produced, and directed by Eric Wickstrom. I was currently living between Harlem and the Bronx. Hamilton Heights, it would later be called by obnoxious white gentrifiers. If you look at the map of Manhattan, it was the last stop of the three train, dead center, and way above Central Park. I was sharing with a vet, a super sweet Florida native. Florida. Now there's a place on my bucket list. I love alligators. We had met shortly after I graduated from school. And when I say graduated, I mean shortly after I had walked across the graduation stage to collect a diploma-less folder. Apparently you only get your diploma if you pay off all your tuition fees. I still owed $40,000 that I planned to pay off after my big break happens. It was a very expensive piece of paper. Yvette had worked as the stage manager of a non-paying production of Medea that I had performed in. The show was performed in various local parks to a very small audience, not many of which could speak English, let alone ancient Greek verse. And the other cast members were batshit crazy. One girl threw a mirror at the director when he gave her a critique before the performance. Yvette and I cowered under a table together during this episode and became friends. We discovered we were both in need of new lodgings. So, we spent hours and days trawling through the foot fetish advertisements on Craigslist until we eventually found a listing for a two-bedroom apartment. And that was how our apartment, Tulip 3N, came to be our home. The neighbourhood was, as us Brits say, interesting. And our apartment building was opposite the projects. Yes, Yvette and I were in the minority, but wasn't it about time that we were? Most of the locals were friendly and welcoming considering we were encroaching on their turf. But there was the odd gang who were threatening your life here and there. We felt a little safer thanks to our new super who was an ex-boxing champion, Israel. Israel was a friendly giant and instantly helped us feel at home. We also made friends with the guy who lived in the apartment down below us, James. James was a jazz musician who had collaborated with John Legend and a cinema photographer. A multi-talented artist who was very easy on the eyes. I was able to pay my rent and buy a bed. It took me three years, but finally I had a real bed, all thanks to waitressing in the tackiest restaurant in the city, Moonlight Groove Diner. A themed dining experience that attracted tourists like moths to a flame. 
It was so popular that these tourists would queue around the block no matter the weather, waiting hours just to hear us sing Don't Stop Believing" whilst bringing them a cookies and cream milkshake. It was cheesy. It was exhausting. And my manager was a complete knob, but I finally had a decent paycheck. The next morning, I left my apartment to head to work. It was six in the morning, and I was about to embark on an 18-hour shift. A man in a skullcap looked me up and down as I walked past. But the guys, no bunny. I walked right past him. Come on, man, Nate. How about we get a little jiggy with it? Ooh, yeah, you and me doing it in a tree. Amen. Um, no, thank you. Not sure my husband will approve. Oh, I really needed to become one of those women who invests in a fake wedding ring. Shit, the princess talks like she is Harry Potter or something. That shit makes me horny. Come on, Harry Potter. Let's make sweet, sweet music before the sun comes up. I whip up my wand and shit. Harry, Harry Potter, you sexy baby. Harry Potter has a fine ass and some big old titties. The skullcap lacked a certain charm that did it for me, so I gave a little smile and walked a little faster, powering myself along more with my right arm than my left. It was like watching Nemo try and run. Just keep walking, just keep walking. The first half of my long, laborious shift hadn't been rewarding financially. I only had three tables. However, I was able to watch some of the Thanksgiving parade out of the window, and that was bloody amazing! Snoopy forever! Before every shift, we had a staff meeting in the event space downstairs at the diner. Having worked the last seven hours, I was already in my uniform of a neon pink rara skirt and a silver bowling shirt, but other girls were changing into theirs. Cue my twat of a manager! Rasputin. He somehow always managed to know when we were changing. My guess is he was using the security cameras as intel. I could hear a colleague of mine singing Depeche Mode in the restaurant upstairs, and I'm sure the patrons dining couldn't get enough of it. I sat at one of the tables, hastily shoving salad into my mouth. This was my only break for the entire 18 hours. Salad was the only vegan option on the menu. I don't actually love salad. I mean, I would have gotten so fat if I wasn't vegan now. The kitchen staff loved me and would have happily supplied me with bounteous amounts of mozzarella sticks to hide in my apron for casual snackage. Uh, old Holly would have been game. You see, old Holly, when back in the UK, had been pretty tubby, probably comparable to the Snoopy balloon in the parade. But that's what is likely to happen if your diet consists of several Malibu and Cokes and a double cheeseburger with a side of large fries just for breakfast. Whilst I ate my salad, Rasputin came and sat next to me. As he spoke, he placed a hand on my thigh. He reminded me of Carr, the snake in the jungle book. How are you today, my favorite Brit? I'm good, thanks. My skin crawled. All the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Oh, couldn't have been more creeped out. He disgusted me more than the people who just sit on a subway and repeatedly sniff. It's like, use a fucking tissue, we're all adults here. Do you know I love British people? They are my favorite. I wondered if he thought all British people loved anthrax as much as his people. He was so close I could feel his breath on my skin. Oh, are they? <laughs> oh, I tried to laugh it off, but I wanted to vomit cucumber and vegan ranch all over the pig. Saved by the bell! The male waiters began to arrive and Rasputin slithered away to begin the meeting. I saw CJ, a super hot waiter that had the most perfect dimples of any human alive. Not only was he a looker, he was super sweet. And when he sang, 
he sounded just like John Bon Jovi. John in his prime, that was, not the John these days who has to lower the keys during his greatest power ballad. <laughs> Let's all go to the back room. All 10 staff members followed him into the back room where the industrial fridges were. Whilst I was daydreaming and not paying attention to Rasputin, something was said that upset CJ. What did you just say to me? CJ exclaimed to our pervert of a boss. I said, are you a fucking pussy, gay boy? Love dick. Oh, who put this guy in charge of a family fucking restaurant? You can't say that to me. You know what? Screw you, man. CJ went to leave the meeting having to do so by passing Russia's so-called greatest love machine. Before he could leave, Rasputin, being big and strong, eyes flaming, grabbed him by the shoulders and steered him toward a large upright freezer. He then proceeded to smash CJ's head into the freezer door multiple times, causing his nose to shatter. The girls stood huddling each other in fear. Jennifer was crying. Jennifer always cried. There's always one crier, isn't there? The guys were also too afraid to get involved. They were fearful the same would happen to them or that they would lose their paychecks. This meeting is over. Get to fucking work. It's going to be busy and people need fucking milkshakes. He departed to his office, probably to jack off. I ran up to help CJ. Are you okay? You need to go to a hospital. Someone brought CJ a cloth with ice and we all began cleaning him up before heading back upstairs to wait tables. There's nothing left to talk about unless it's horizontally. I dropped off some mustard at table nine. I smiled at the diners and kept singing. Let's get physical. Physical. Oh, I want to get physical. As I sang the last note, I gave a little curtsy. Thank you, thank you. Next up, the affable Jennifer. I passed off the microphone to Jennifer, knowing she would sing alone by heart, show off. And then I snuck off to the ladies room. I wanted to text and see how CJ was doing. He had gone to the hospital. As I pulled out my phone, I had three messages and one voicemail. I pressed play on the voicemail. Hi, this is a message about your son, Prince. He never showed up at school today. Please give us a call back. Thank you. Okay, well, that's definitely not for me. I mean, I don't recall ever giving birth, unless I had been getting secretly abducted by aliens. I checked my text messages. One was from my neighbor, James. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm busy traveling back to the future, James. I'll respond later. Next two messages. Rasputin. I tensed up. What are you doing? Text me, please. <sighs> Weird. Guess I'll text back. Maybe he needs me to work an extra shift. I mean, not only do I have to buy some bedding in the Black Friday sales, I am meeting with a lawyer soon for help with my green card. And lawyers aren't cheap. I'm working. Am I in trouble for responding? He replied in seconds. Take night off. Have dinner with me. Is he serious? What the fuck? How do I handle this one? Also, how does he have an appetite after causing mass destruction to someone's once faultless face? Ha ha, very funny. There, that should do the trick. Serious, spend Thanksgiving with me, my treat. I'm a lonely boy. Jesus Christ! I shoved my phone into my pocket and ran out of the cubicle, not texting him back. Fuck that! That night, or early morning, as I was on the train home, I pulled out my phone, which I normally tried not to do. There had recently been a series of phone muggings whilst commuting, and I know you really can't judge a book and all that, but there did seem to be a bunch of dodgy characters sharing my subway car home. Rule number one, never make eye contact. I texted CJ. Hey you, how are you doing? You need anything? I was about to put my phone away when I decided to respond to James's text message from earlier. Hey, sorry, was working. Only getting home now. Hope you're good. You want to see me? 
See you, James, or fuck you. Did I want to see him? It had been a draining day. Hmm. I took a few moments before responding. As I sat there deciding if I wanted to get laid or not, I got a massive waft of a really eggy fart. Oh, I scrunched up my nose and shoved my head into my jacket. God, it stank. Absolutely reeked. Oh, it's times like this I wish taxi drivers weren't afraid to drive me home for fuck's sake. Once I was able to breathe and think clearly again, I replied to James. Sure, meet me off the train. When you're getting in, smiley face emoji. Six mins, three more stops. As I exited the subway stairs, James was there to meet me. As soon as I saw him, all awkwardness and hesitation subsided. I leapt into his arms and began hurriedly kissing him. It was nice to feel safe again, even if it were just for a night. Little, little hobbit over there. Looks like she found her precious. <laughs> Go ahead, Gandalf. Get your wine wet later. We pulled apart and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> so, your place or mine? Later that morning, I crept up the stairs to Tulip 3N. I made myself a cup of Earl Grey and sat on my pink couch from Target. It had been a good night with James. Months of flirting had meant a lot of pent-up sexual tension. The first time hadn't involved a lot of stamina, but he made up for it the times after that. I smiled, replaying us kissing and him nibbling my neck. I love a good neck nibble. Vampire fetish. Yvette's door opened and she came out in her retro Winnie the Pooh pyjamas. Morning. She headed into the kitchen, which was just an extension of our living room, to make herself a cup of coffee. I am British, therefore I have tea. Yvette is American, therefore she has coffee. Where were you last night? Don't think I heard you come home. Oh, I worked late. A double and then, well, I may have stayed at James's. Wait, what? Oh, he's hot. She was right. He was. So how was it? How do you answer that question other than, it was nice. Yvette made herself a bowl of Cheerios and sat down next to me. We couldn't afford a TV, so this conversation wasn't going to end that easily. So, tell me everything. Well, he met me off the subway after a horrible shift and then one thing led to another. You know what it's like when you just don't want to do the three-minute walk from the train to your house alone in fear of some of your favourite fictional characters being sexualized. And he was a gentleman. Oh, he came and met me to make sure I got home okay. I knew I was blushing. I could feel my cheeks getting hot. Oh, damn my big rosy English milkmaid cheeks. You think this will become a thing? Mm, I'm not sure. Probably not. I took a sip of my tea and wondered what James's and mine's babies would look like if we were to become a thing. Oh, I suppose they would be creative. Next time on FUNYC, Geronimo, lawyers, and the best-looking man in NYC grabs Holly's knickers. Hi. Excuse me, but I think you dropped these. FUNYC, an IDC production. Guest starring Jamie Lamchick, Mike Tricario, Miles Elliott, Sri Gordon, Bradley Dean, Tony Gannon.